views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from running your life? Join award-winning author Dr. Friedemann Schaub from Empowerment Radio as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges in our day-to-day lives. Find out how you can use the power of your mind to overcome self-sabotaging patterns and build a solid foundation of confidence and self-respect. Learn cutting-edge tools and approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. This is the time to empower yourself. Now, here's your host, Dr. Friedemann Schaub. Welcome to Empowerment Radio. And today we actually have not only a great show and a wonderful guest, but uh, we have also a world premiere. Well, in my little world, it's a premiere. Uh, You can watch the show live on my Facebook channel, Dr. Friedman Schaub. So if you want to tune into that Facebook channel, you can see my little face. You can see the face of my guest. And so it may be even more interesting than just listening to our voices. But either way, just enjoy the tackling of some of those, again, bigger challenges and issues in life. And today we are just taking the mother load, it seems like, because we're going to work on fear. We're going to talk about anxiety. We are addressing anger. We are addressing addiction. You name it. We are all covering it with one master who has written a new book and it's called Fearless. It's not Fearless together. It's Fearless. And that author is a kindred spirit. And I have to say, before I bring him onto the show, one of the things I really love about Empowerment Radio is that I get to speak to people like him, some of the greatest minds and teachers and healers that really have a lot to share and and give them a platform also to spread the wisdom and their insights and their mastery. And for that... I am very grateful because I can always learn so much from each and every one of my guests and certainly from the guest today, who is a kindred spirit, because the sense I have from his book and from him as a person and his whole work is that he has also a much more embracing and integrity and um, integration-driven approach to those things we usually ignore. Our emotions we try to shove aside and don't really want to attend to, to the things that we call negative and not really embrace them as maybe teachers in our lives. And the man I'm talking about is called Dean Slider, who is the author of the book Fearless, Fearless. He is one of the greatest meditation teachers on the planet. He does that since the 70s. He has coined the natural meditation as a way of meditating 
in a more easy way, in a way that actually is allowing us to make meditation a part of daily life. Not to have to sit for two hours or three hours on a pillow and float away, but really see this more as a as an ongoing process of finding your center, reconnecting to yourself. He has appeared on countless radio, TV stations, Oprah magazine, you name it. And uh, he is someone who has just kept with all his work a very humble and very open uh, energy and spirit. And so I am very humbled and glad that you are joining me today, Dean, on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's great to be here. And thank you for all your kind words. Well, I want to hear, you know, obviously you have a very interesting also uh, pathway that led you to where you are right now. Tell us a little bit about how did you get to become this seeker and teacher of Eastern wisdom and meditation and so on? Right. Um, I feel like I never had a lot of choice. Uh, I sort of stumbled <laughs> into it early. I actually had a, a number of um, spontaneous experiences, kind of first awakening experiences in childhood that just happened to me. You know, there's there was a famous saying from uh, Richard Baker Roshi, an American Zen master. He said, awakening is an accident, and all our meditative practice just makes us more accident-prone. Yes. So a couple of those accidents first happened to me uh, in childhood. The most dramatic one happened when I was, I think, 12 years old, and um, we were going to go with our family was going to go that night to a drive-in movie which dates me i know and uh i had two brothers and my mother sent me out to the garage to clear out all the toys and comic books from the back seat of our nash rambler station wagon and um and i went out there and my mind was going doo, 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 which pretty much it did in those days just well what about this and what happened to that and if he says this and she and my mind is doing that. It's completely caught up in all of that churning, all of that worrying, really. And I'm picking up the toys and comic books. And the next thing that I pick up is a mad magazine. And as always, on the cover of the mad magazine is a picture of grinning, idiotic Alfred E. Newman with his slogan, What Me Worry. And my mm. mind just went, Whoa. I suddenly <laughs> yeah. saw... I suddenly saw, oh, I've been doing, this is not the world. This is not the way existence is, not the way reality is. This is just the way my mind has been churning. This is a thing mm -hmm. called worry. And I've been doing it for 12 years. I've, I've been holding the switch to on, the worry switch to on, and I can just turn it, push it to off. And I did. It's like I found that switch and my mind just went oh, silent. Wow. And I, yeah. And really went into a full fledged what later on I started reading the books and oh, over here in this part of the world, they call that Samadhi and over here they call that Satori and over here they, you know, and I just went just completely into just blissful, silent, open space and was there through the whole evening watching this whole 
you know, dumb movie with my family and going back home and going to, to bed. So I had, that was the most dramatic, but I had a number of experiences like that in childhood. So I was kind of, you know, picking up the scent. And then... Who knew um, Alfred E. Newman, Zen master? <laughs> yeah, he was... He was my he was my first he was my first guru. He was Sri Alfred E. Newman G was my root guru. Thank you. And uh, uh, and actually, you know, we have kind of a little altar in the house here with our favorite gods and gurus, and Alfred E. Newman is is up there. Um, oh, he should and, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And then um, a little bit later, by the time my last year in high school, I started reading books like. Um, Uh, the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads, which were harder to find in those days than they are now. Uh, and then I went off to college and I went to San Francisco. And it was a very fortunate time to be in San Francisco in the mid-60s, which was when you started to get the influx. You had Suzuki Roshi uh, running the first full-time Zen center in America. You had Bhaktivedanta Swami with the second Uh, Hare Krishna Temple, the first one he had established in New York in 65. You had Shlomo Karlbach, Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach, the great mm -hmm. blissful Hasidic rabbi. You had Sufi Sam. So it was this wonderful kind of smorgasbord of awakening. And I could just go around town and, and just taste all the different flavors. It, it was fantastic. And so then you felt, well, how can I teach awakening? Is that what yeah. and, prompted and, you? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I had that impulse from the beginning. I mean, you know, my mother told me that I was a, a, I was late when I to start speaking, and then once I, I started, I never stopped. So, <laughs> uh, uh, and so I knew going in that I was going and that I was going to want to be able to share this. Uh, and, and, you know, San Francisco circa 1967 was, you know, that was a whole different planet. That was the summer of love. That was, you know, the whole thing was, I mean, it's interesting. You used the word before Eastern teachings or Eastern spirituality, whatever it was. And it was really viewed that way. This is something Eastern exotic, uh, right. you know, it was associated with hippies and so forth. And, you know, I at the time had hair down to my shoulders and, got run out of a couple of towns by the cops as I was, and I wound up dropping out of college and hitchhiking around the, the country for a year or two. And, uh, but I knew that I needed to find this in some form that I could bring it back home to the suburbs, that I could bring it back home to mom and dad, bring it to, you know, the mainstream of, of America, bring it back home. Um, and, Within a few years, I connected with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who taught mm -hmm. uh, what he called transcendental meditation, which, and the whole approach was simple, easy, 20 minutes twice a day, effortless, natural. You meditate, you forget about it. It's not exotic, it's not foreign. You don't change your diet or your lifestyle. And he encouraged a couple, of, you know, he basically, most of us were just hippies and, you know, he, Told us, okay, cut your hair, put on a necktie. We're going to bring this stuff to the mainstream. And, and mm -hmm. you over there, you go back to grad school and get your degree in physiology and do the research. This was a friend of mine, Keith Wallace, who wound up teaming up with Herbert Benson at Harvard Medical School. And they did the first research that really established that 
what happens in meditation is not just some pleasant imaginary thing, but it mm -hmm. is, um, it's physiologically real. Uh, and so I taught as a teacher of TM in Maharishi's organization for several years. And eventually the organization started going in directions that were not working for me, charging a lot of money and, and a few other things. And so I continued to look around and I connected with Buddhist teachers, Tibetan teachers, Advaita teachers from Indian tradition and discovered that, okay, good, Maharishi does not have a monopoly on naturalness, effortlessness. Uh, right. that, it's, that, that, that vein is there. Sometimes it's hard to find, but it's there in all the traditions. You know, it's there in the Christian tradition when Jesus says, my, my yoke is light, my burden is easy. You know, and that word yoke, if you probably know this is connected with the Sanskrit word yoga, meaning, you know, right. any kind of spiritual practice, meditative practice. So I teach these days in just plain American. You know, I, I always reference, I always give deep, you know, gratitude and appreciation to the traditions and acknowledge that, you know, I did not invent natural meditation. Um, you know, it's been, and that's important because it's been road tested for hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. Right. The, the research and development has been done. Yes. We have to take a quick break, but when okay. we come back, we'll talk more about also how you then came about to help people with anxiety, with addiction, through the teachings that you have learned. So stay tuned. We will be right back. you are meant to live with more joy but you're just not sure how to get it what does the phrase give me the joy make you feel join me lynn horde every second and fourth thursday 9am pacific 12pm eastern on the give me the joy show as i take you on a journey to peel back the layers so you can take back your joy to find out more about my work as the joy coach including my popular programs joy school and joy at work visit lynnhorde.com Tap into the wisdom of animals, angels, and masters with Darcy Pariso on Animal Soul Wisdom Radio. Tune in monthly as Darcy brings insights on how to better understand and deepen our relationships with animals. Working with light and pureness of ancient techniques, Darcy, healer, animal communicator, and medium is here to guide you through this process and provide inspiration to move forward. For more information about working with Darcy, visit DarcyPariso.com. A space of allowing radio with Coach Nancy Coco, welcoming all that wants to be present today. Tune in Thursdays every first and third week at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com as Coach Nancy helps you find a space of allowing. Join Coach Nancy to explore what lives at your edges and to bring more of yourself home. For more information, visit NancyCocoCoaching.com. Hi, I'm Barbara Scheidegger, clinical hypnotherapist and founder of Swiss Hypnotherapy. And this is a tip with purpose. When the old anger and stress are triggered, stop, breathe. See what you're doing and tell yourself no more. Breathe and walk away. See your anger, 
for what it really is. It's quite destructive. Don't take excuses for excuses. Take more of yes, I can and move forward. I hope this tip helps you going through the day today. You can reach me at 323-999-4775 or at my website at swisshypnotherapy.com and write me an email and I give 30 minutes free consultation. Hypnotherapy is there for you. Demystifying the journey on From Here to There Radio with your host, Diane Garris. Tune in every third Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific time on TransformationTalkRadio.com as Diane helps you get from where you are now to the life you envision. Get ready to get unstuck and move forward. Every show features a new special segment, New Age Notes, demystifying hot metaphysical topics of the day. For more information or to work with Diane, visit DianeGarris.com. Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. We are talking with Dean Slider, the author of Fear Less, Living Beyond Fear, Anxiety, Anger, and Addiction. Fabulous book. I can highly recommend it. It just came out this year. And we talk about the wisdom that uh, Dean was gathering throughout the years. Now, Dean, I have a quick question about especially fear and anxiety, because it's something I'm working with a lot. Do you have the feeling, since you talked about the 70s and the 60s, that Mm -hmm. people are more scared than, let's say, 30 years ago? You know, it's so hard to say because, uh, you know, the world has changed, people have changed, I've changed. Uh, I mean, I can remember being in the eighth grade when the Cuban Missile Crisis was happening. And, you know, standing out on the schoolyard with my buddies, uh, mm-hmm. really, you know, being whatever we were, 13 years old, and really there could be nuclear war tomorrow and this could be the end of our lives. And actually being 13-year-old boys, we were standing there deciding, okay, what what is the right thing to do when we hear the air raid sirens go off and we know we have like an hour to live? And the consensus was, You steal a car, you rob a liquor store, you grab a girl, and you drive into the hills. (laughs) I think that's still true. Uh, But um, that was was our 13-year-old wisdom. But, you know, just before this interview, I just came from having breakfast with a good friend. And I live here in the Los Angeles area where there's a lot of entertainers. And he's an entertainer, and I've been having breakfast with him for a couple of years and just hearing about his fear that his career is not going to work and he's got an expensive house. How is he going to pay the mortgage? He's going to lose his house. His break is not coming. And just now this morning at breakfast, he was telling me about the fabulous break that he's gotten. I mean, this is really like the career-making thing has happened, and now Mm -hmm. he's scared of that. He was scared because it wasn't happening. Now he's scared because it's happening and he has to do it. Right. So what this, what this, to me, this speaks to the Buddha's four noble truths, which, you know, to simplify it, it's not what's going on out there. It's, it's how you process it. It's what's going on in here. 
You know, you, you see the news coverage of a hurricane. Two people, next door neighbors, will both lose their houses in a hurricane. And and one person is saying they're devastated, they're crying, they, they can't pull themselves together. And the other one's saying, okay, we're going to pick up the pieces and go from here. Now, what makes that difference? And what makes that difference is somehow being more rooted in the, the, the place within us, what the Buddha called nirvana, what Jesus called the kingdom of heaven within, which is impervious to all that stuff on the outside. It's like the silent depths of the ocean on the inside that's not affected by whatever's going on with the waves on the surface. And some people just seem to be the way they're wired, the way they're born genetically or something. They have a little more contact with that. Uh, but fortunately, the rest of us uh, are able to use methods, for lack of a better word, meditative methods to connect with that, that place of, of inner silence, of boundless okayness. So yeah, right now the world is crazy. There's political craziness. Uh, you know, whether you're on the, the red side of the divide or the blue side, you know, it's been a bit of a white knuckle ride politically. Um, people are nervous about their finances, all that. But uh, but the thing is, you know, you you people have a very, I think, often idealized idea of what the past was like. They think, oh, the time of the Buddha, he just sat out in the woods and, you know, being spiritual. And if you really read about the life of the Buddha, there, there was politics going on. He had a, a jealous nephew that was, was conspiring to assassinate him and take over the business. And, you know, things don't change that much. No, but I would say that one of the challenges in our life right now is that so many influences are taking right. us out of our center. I mean, you know, yeah. when I think about uh, my childhood in the 70s, I don't believe mm -hmm. that there was a TV longer than 10, 30 or 11 at night, two or three channels, and that was it. There was no internet. There was no social media. The, yeah. So my point is just, I think part of the anxiety may also have to do with our mind never have a rest, never come yes. to a place of natural disconnection with all that is going on right. in the world. And, right. And, and, that and is even though, yeah, no, you're right about that. And even though we crave that rest, that silence, we crave it, we need it, we want it. Uh, like any addiction, we, we keep going to the other thing. We keep going to the opposite so that, you know, people, the moment, that there's a lull in the conversation, or even before there's a lull in the conversation, they're pulling out their, their iPhones. It, they, because they've just got now this source of constant stimulation. And I do feel that especially the younger generation, the millennials, they, this kind of constant, there is this kind of constant level of anxiety. I go on college campuses now where they tell me they now have therapy dogs in every dorm. Because the, yeah. the anxiety has become so pervasive. So, so on, in that sense, I think that you're right. And that's one of the reasons why, especially in my new book, In Fear Less, and in my teaching in my workshops these days, and I travel around the country leading workshops, I emphasize in addition to, okay, it's really good to sit down and close your eyes and do natural meditation for 10, 15 minutes a day. But also I'm emphasizing things that you can do that are immediate right on the spot. Like one that was picked up on the Oprah, mag, uh, the Oprah website, it's running on Oprah.com, is 
it's a two-page chapter from the book titled Breathe Through Your Feet. And mm -hmm. we can actually do this right now. People yeah, absolutely. Can, Let's can do, do it. it. Because it's so simple. As soon as I say the soles of your feet, boom, there's nothing you have to do. It's effortless. You have some awareness of the soles of your feet. Now, am I actually feeling it? Am I imagining it? Not sure. It doesn't matter. All I feel it. Is, yeah. You say <laughs> soles of your feet, you feel the soles of your feet. Yes. Now, if I say you're breathing, ah, okay, that all, also we notice there's no effort. There's nothing to do. Oh, yeah, I'm breathing and I'm breathing out. That's going on by itself. Now, all we're going to do is put those two things together. So as you breathe in, just imagine or feel whatever it is that you're breathing in through the soles of your feet. And as you breathe out, breathing out through the soles of your feet. And the breathing, don't try to control your breathing, could be deep, shallow, fast, slow, doesn't matter. You're not trying to concentrate or focus along with it. There's these sounds, my voice, there's thoughts going back and forth, doesn't matter. Just breathing in through the soles of the feet, breathing out through the soles of the feet. My feet like it. Yeah. And in fact, you may no notice that your nervous system likes it. There's something, ah, there's something settling about that. Right. That's simple. That's simple. So the next time you're at a red light and you're in a hurry and you're gripping the wheel, trying to make the red light turn green faster, um, you can do that. With, you know, everything's optional. So you can do that or you can recognize, you know, I've been doing that all my life and it hasn't worked yet. And it probably is not going to work. So let me take this opportunity to breathe through my feet. Okay. Or you're, you know, you, you're, you're, you get nervous at public speaking, you're coming up to the mic. They're you're sitting there introducing you. You're about to walk up to the mic. Your head is spinning. So you, so if you just take that, even a couple of breaths, breathing through your feet, you can't be totally caught up in your head spinning because they're introducing you. There's a part of you that is in this bigger, easy, effortless, easygoing breathing through your feet. And I've been getting emails from people just from that little two-page chapter of the book saying, uh, I'm breathing through my feet when I go to bed at night. This stuff's going to put Ambien out of business. <laughs> well, but isn't exactly what happens in this example that we just come back to ourselves. You know, it is yeah. the feeling outside of yourself, whether it's the audience that you give a talk to or, you know, the right. traffic and the people that you feel like you're going to be late for. Whatever it is, when you do this, what you just described, you yeah. somehow re-inhabit your body. And and I always feel like when we are back in ourselves, it's the safest place. It's the calmest place. It's when we are not in ourself, we get scared and mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how you see this with anxiety, but do you think there is a correlation between how far you have been off your center and the intensity of the anxiety? Meaning like people get more scared when they are more attached to external outcomes, external circumstances. Like a friend that today was eating breakfast with you, his attachment or her attachment to that uh, you know, success or non-success made that person probably much more anxious in being connected to their craft and their art and what they're good at. Yeah, and and but this does not mean, and, and I know you understand this, but we always have to throw in this caveat, right. this does not mean 
that, okay, we just become passive and apathetic and, yeah. okay, I'm going to just sit here being absorbed within myself so I don't have to do my homework. I don't have to go pay the rent. Um, you know, the, the, the wonderful text on this is the Bhagavad Gita from, you know, ancient India where the teachings were given not to a monk in a cave but to a warrior on the battlefield just before the battle begins. And what he's taught is, okay, first go inside you to this place that's beyond anxiety, beyond loss and gain, beyond all the mental stories that we can spin, and then come out and take care of business. In this case, you're a warrior, come out and, and fight your battle. Because then you have access to the real yes. resources inside your mastery. Exactly. Well, we'll talk more about that again after the break. Stay tuned. how to achieve wellness in all areas of your life? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Signs of wellness are a capacity to love and ability to nurture, a sense of purpose, a good sense of humor and plenty of fun in your life, a concern for others and a respect for the environment, a conscious commitment to personal excellence, a sense of balance and integrated lifestyle, and capacity to cope with whatever life presents. Well, people enjoy their lives and want them to last as long as possible. That's why the wellness mindset usually accompanies other constructive healthy lifestyle habits. By adopting a wellness mindset and behaviors like eating well, taking the right nutrition for the body, exercising, and saying affirmations are just a few things to structure a healthy system of values and beliefs. I will be your wellness coach to help you achieve a wellness lifestyle. Call us at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at maryjanemack.com. Ignite your inner magic on Grow Your Soul Radio with Jane Matanga. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Jane Matanga explores how to overcome your fears to help you gain the inspiration you need to awaken your path to joy. Learn the way to life mastery and the enlightened path with Grow Your Soul Radio. For more information on Jane Matanga and her work, visit enlightened-path.com. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Hi, I'm Steve Kramer of Spirit Fire Radio, and I believe that meditation changes everything. It leads us in the direction of greater well-being, and that's a fact. I struggled with meditation for years. I understood the principles, but I found it hard to incorporate them into my everyday life. Spirit Fire's meditation practice changed that. It's called the Practice of Living Awareness, and it's taught in 14 steps. These are 14 tools that I can use in any moment on and off the cushion. Steps like smile, flow, and ground of being support my clarity of mind while I'm navigating the ups and downs of modern life. That's why it's called the practice of living awareness. If you'd like to add meditation to your daily experience, the practice of living awareness is free, online, and it's suited for any level of practitioner. Visit spiritfire.com for more information. 
and be sure to check out Spirit Fire's meditation retreats in Western Massachusetts. It's all there at spiritfire.com. Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. We have a great conversation with Dean Slider. And I want to just ask you, where can people find out more about the book and you and the workshops yes. and all those good things? Right. So if they go to my website, if they go to fearlessbook.net, fearlessbook.net, uh, they can uh, read a chapter from the book. Is there a chapter called The Sweetest Dog in the World? Where I had it in our newsletter. It is beautiful. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that one, is, it's a lot of fun. Um, and also, there's a page on the website called Meditate Now, where I have guided meditation audio tracks, which you can stream for free. And, uh, and so just be walked step by step into this natural, effortless way of meditation that we were talking about. Also, I've recently started, um, I host on, uh, usually it's alternate Tuesday nights here where I live in Santa Monica, California. We host an open meditation session. People, local people come. And I've just recently started streaming that live on YouTube. Oh, so great. people can, can do that in real time or go to the archived ones. And my tour schedule is there mostly in the U.S., but I go anywhere where I'm invited. Once in a while, I'm invited overseas. So, yeah, fearlessbook.net. And that's all in one word? Yes. Perfect. Now let's talk about anger. Because I think anger is, it's a very interesting energy. Now, I was, you know, doing a little research on you. And uh, I looked at some of the sites that were hosting your book. And there were some reviews on mm -hmm. your book. Lots mm -hmm. of great reviews. Mm -hmm. And then there were these few one-star reviews out of five. And, Mm -hmm. And they were all, and that was really astonishing. They were all about one of the last chapters in your book, which was about November 2016. Mm -hmm. And your apparent to those readers mm -hmm. bias against the president. Mm -hmm. And that brought up anger. And that brought mm -hmm. up immediately a dismissal of everything that you have said before. Yeah. And, yeah. and what I notice also, you know, in my work that there is a lot of defensiveness and anger on the surface. And I'm wondering if you have some thoughts about where anger comes from in this regard and right. why having a different opinion these days is no longer accepted, but will immediately be shut down. And also what can you do with anger? Right. Right. You know, about those one star reviews, um, that particular chapter and all my years of teaching meditation and natural methods of awakening, I've always made it a very strong point to not get into politics and people will try to bring up politics in our sessions and I'll just, no, 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 we're, you know, we're in the temple here. We leave that outside with our <laughs> shoes. Um, when the election happened in November of 2016, I, like many people, was, uh, I mean, I just was so shocked and I had such a strong reaction that I, and I had to write it down. I had to write down everything that I was feeling and how I was processing it. And eventually where the chapter goes by the end, and I think those people who wrote those reviews 
they got so kind of upset that they didn't really re get to the end of the chapter where I was really finding common ground with those people who politically were on the other side of the fence for me. Mm. You know, that, okay, what, oh, okay, now I'm scared at what's going to come for the next four or eight years. And then I realized, oh, those people have been equally scared by what's been happening. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we share that fear. We, and uh, even though mentally, in, in terms of our thoughts, we're in opposite sides of what we think should be done in practical ways, we're, we're in a strange way, we're united by our fear. Mm-hmm. We're in that boat together. And, mm-hmm. and I showed the chapter to my wife and I said, you know, this, I've always stayed away from politics. I don't think I can put this in the book, but I don't think I can leave it out. So I, so I put it in and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I, you know, oh, no, I, mean, about, I when, think bad when, reviews are a good thing because it makes yeah. people actually feel emotionally invested. I mean, yeah, yeah. rather have no. a, Bad review, then no review, <laughs> because right, it, right, right. You know, it got yeah. something to think about. Yeah, I mean, the th- you know, very famously, Ram Das, you know, great spiritual teacher, the author of Be Here Now, he was writing a book on um, aging, mm-hmm. and um, and he had sent the first draft to his editor, and it came back with the note, well. This this is this is lovely, but it just seems so abstract. Is there a way you can make it more personal and real, and really convey in a first-hand way the anguish of getting older and the body starting to break down and so forth? And he went to bed that night thinking, "Okay, how can I do that? How can he do that?" The phone rang. He tried to get out of bed to answer the phone and fell on the floor because he had a stroke. Hmm. And the stroke that almost killed him and then paralyzed half his body, and he had to relearn how to how to talk and so forth. And then it was, okay, now I can write that book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like that was really on the nose. Now, in the sense, the, the election of November 2000, you know, I was in the middle of writing about what? Fear, anxiety, mm-hmm. anger. So when that election happened, I went, okay, this is my stroke. <laughs> this is, now I can really write about those things. It's a little milder so, form, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I had to do that. But in any case, anger, you know, the, these things—they're all the flip sides of one another. That they're all rooted in the having a model of life where I'm just this little wave washing around on the surface of the ocean of life, and the, most of the waves are bigger than I am. They're all threatening me. This, this wave is now sloshing against me. Eventually, every wave breaks against the shore and dies. That's a terrifying model of life. And it's the one that most people subscribe to, including, by the way, a lot of people who go to church every Sunday. You know, when the chips mm-hmm. are down and they're, they're dying, they'll do everything, every last-ditch attempt to try to keep this body around because they think that this is it, that this is all we have. Now, when, when that's your model of life, it's scary. When the other waves are sloshing against you and you feel threatened by them, you get angry. So it's all rooted in the same thing. And therefore, the solution is the same, which is, okay, little wave, look down into your base. Sink down, look down, look down. And, oh, look, right below the surface is this place where the water is always silent and boundless. And there's no separating line between the wave and the ocean. You are that ocean. And it's not just a thought, it's not a belief, it's not a, a happy idea, 
It's direct experience, as direct as that. And more and more you can become suffused with that experience so that even, you know, all, you know, 24-7, you're walking around dealing with the world of the waves, but you're rooted in your true inmost oceanic nature. And in order to do that, we can do meditation, but also these these quick things. Do we, do we have time for another yes, quick thing? Okay. Yes. So here's one, here's one of my favorites. Most people by now are familiar with, they've heard of mantras, you know, which are a little psychoacoustically optimized sounds for the, you know, nice smooth sounds to, to help you connect with that and get and break out of your fear and your anger, whatever's going on. So people are familiar with, oh, which is right. Wonderful. Here's my two favorite mantras because they're natural mantras and they're used by people all over the world. You, mm-hmm. Everyone listening to this has done this all their life and never realized it was a mantra. One of them is, ah, oh. <laughs> Right? Uh, I know that one. <laughs> when every when everything is okay, when it's a relief, when you finally get that that stringy piece of celery out from between your back teeth, or you finally finish your doing your taxes, whatever it is, when you have an orgasm, whatever it is, you say, ah. <laughs> now, because the mind body connection happens both ways, when we feel satisfied, relaxed, relieved, okay, we say ah, but we can also say ah. And then we sink more into that place of, of relief, of okayness. Yes. So if nothing else, when you're about to get up at the, at, the, at, the, at the microphone, when you have to make that difficult call to your ex-wife's lawyer or whatever it is, ah, and then go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Feels good. Yeah. Okay. It, it feels good. The stuff should feel good. If it doesn't feel good, you're doing something wrong. Okay. Now, here's my here's my other favorite mantra. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Whee! <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> That's a yeah, good one. <laughs> that is a that is a very good one. That's a very good one. The thing is that okay, and I'll do this in my workshops. I'll well, I'll make people say "wee" three times and throw your hands up in the air like that. And Whee! Say, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now do it again. Do it again. More exuberance. Okay. Uh, B plus. B plus. Really total. There you go. Now try to be depressed. Oh, can't. (laughs) That's right. You can't. You can't. You can't. Now, this is something that was first discovered by Charles Darwin. It's called the facial feedback hypothesis. That when, when your inner mood gets reflected in your outer facial expression, but vice versa. And you can't say we without smiling. And that smile causes you to feel joy it's virtual so if you wake up in the morning and you're grouchy or you're depressed the last thing in the world you're going to want to do is say we that's going to feel really stupid and that's exactly the time to do that <laughs> so that's where humor and silliness comes in and really oh yeah also uh, just yeah, a whole different perspective i mean there is this technique where you're supposed to be silly when you are really serious, like putting toilet paper on your head and running around screaming like a monkey or singing happy birthday out of the blue. All those things that somehow interrupt that spiral of negativity. But I have to ask you again about anger because part of the anger 
is of course, you know, when you are wise enough to take responsibility and realize all that, what you just said, but part of the mm -hmm. anger people often struggle with is the feeling of being right and feeling misunderstood and feeling mm -hmm. like, you know, the, that victimization or that need to convince others. And what can you do to get yourself out of that need? You know, it's almost like the combativeness. And I, you know, coming from Europe, maybe I'm totally stereotyping here, but I think the spirit in the US is more about competition than in other countries. There is something about winning at all costs. It's very important that it brings up frustration and that mm -hmm. brings up also a lot of that, you know, that sense of victimization and, and anger when you don't get what you think you should be getting or you don't win. Yeah. How does your work deal with that? Yeah. No, you're right about that as being a, a, a distinctive part of the American character. And by the way, you know, there's a historical reason for that. We were settled, this place was originally settled by Puritans uh, and they were Calvinists. And they believed that worldly success was the, the, the sign of God's grace that you were among the elect who were predestined to go to heaven. So, I mean, this is about the most horrible religious doctrine ever thought up. Because what it means is if you're suffering in this world, if you're poor and sick and suffering in this world, guess what? It's going to be even worse in the next because you're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean it's just, just horrible. Um, yeah, the competitiveness. You know, it's it's like how many cases do you need to see of people winning, as we say, gaining incredible worldly success and still being miserable? How many cases do we have to to see? Uh, I mean, you know, we've got this famous uh, trial going on right now of uh, of the former, the president's former campaign chairman, who was making millions and millions of dollars per year, uh, doing uh, you know very shady political consulting for brutal dictators, because he needed that money to you know buy uh, ostrich leather coats and and all of this. And, you know, in one year, he was making enough that, you know, I could have saved that and lived several lifetimes on that. But he, he had to keep making it because he, he, it's, it's like he couldn't get enough stuff. You know, I wrote a book once called Cinema Nirvana, uh, Enlightenment Lessons from the Movies. And I took not so-called spiritual movies. I took ordinary movies like Jaws and, and showed how all the, the, all the spiritual teachings are there. And in the case of Jaws, people think of Jaws as a movie about terror. I look at Jaws from the shark's point of view. It's a, it's a movie about hunger. You know, we are the shark. And that shark is just like an eating machine. You can never get enough. You, as long as you're trying to fill yourself up with stuff, you can never get enough. You can never have enough success. You can never have enough possessions. You, you, your bank account can never, you know, they, they, there's been surveys here asking people, you know, are you upper class, middle class, or lower class? Everyone thinks they're middle class. Everyone thinks that, well, the people making more than me, they're the upper class. There, there's, it's, you've never arrived. And, and in a way, it's wisdom, in a funny way, because it, it, 
it's on the way to wisdom. It's on the way to recognizing that, okay, no amount of outer success is going to do it. Eventually, I have to turn inside and find that place that's infinitely okay all the time, no matter what's going on outside. But the wisdom really starts with recognizing that you're in pain. And I think that is what a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily see that this wanting more or having to, I mean, I was one of them. I know exactly how it felt to wanting to have more success. It was for me more recognition and uh, mm -hmm. and that need to somehow prove yourself over and over again. Unless you yeah. realize it causes you a tremendous amount of pain, you will not necessarily change it because you feel that moment where you have what you want, it gives you some, like an addiction, gives you this relief for a moment until you go, go back and withdrawal. But what you said in one of your books about every, uh, everything is a, is a doorway to liberation or an opportunity to liberation. And yeah. so your way to liberation is just really reshifting the focus inside and, and yeah. reconnecting to yourself. Yeah, and, and, and using exactly where you are in the outer world and just flipping it around. That's why in the, you know, we were talking before about smartphones being this constant distraction, constant stimulation. I have a chapter in Fear Less called Meditating with the iPhone Zero, where I just give a simple way to, to flip that around and use the iPhone addiction as, a, as you say, a doorway into liberation. How we, uh, you know, one of the, what, well, what you do is it's very simple. Um, the next time you're standing in line uh, to get your coffee or get your prescription filled or wherever it is, and you find your hand automatically going for your pocket to, you know, okay, give me some stimulation here. Give me some new news. Give me, what did the president tweet this morning or whatever it is? Don't do it. Tie yourself to the mast. Don't do it. Now, hmm. know in advance that when you don't do it, you're going to feel this wave of anxiety. Yeah, but, 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 but you're just, oh, but, right? And as you will within, and you can use this exact same technique, by the way, with cigarette addiction, any kind of addiction. You're going to feel that wave of anxiety. Just tie yourself to the mask and just stay there and, and don't try to suppress it. Feel that wave. Just feel it fully. Feel what it feels like in your body. Is it tightness in your chest, butterflies in your stomach, pounding in your head, whatever it is, just feel it and let that wave completely crest. And then in its own time, let that wave pass. Mm. And then on the far side of that wave is something called peace. And that's where you go. Ah. And every time you do that, you're poking a hole in your addiction. You're, 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 you're weakening its grip on you, whatever the addiction is. I have, by the way, quite a few people from the recovery, local recovery community who come to our meditation sessions here. I had a girl come uh, a, a little while ago, and after the second or third session, she brought me aside and she said, I just wanted to tell you I'm a heroin addict. I've been sober for six months. And in the meditation tonight, I went into a place of peace that was so deep and blissful and healing. She said, I didn't think I could ever feel that way again in this life without drugs. So you hear something like that and you go, yes, stuff really does work. 
And, and, and by the way, yes, this is what's missing. And I have a whole chapter on the 12-step program and all the wonderful things about 12-step program and what's missing from the 12 steps. And the main thing that's missing is a really deep, effective way to work the 11th step, which is conscious contact with the higher power. Mostly it's lip service, it's prayer, it's a nice attitude. But unless you have that experience that that girl was talking about, really, that's conscious contact. Unless you have that. That's why I can always tell as I'm driving around town, I know where the 12-step meetings are happening because there's all these people out on the sidewalk smoking cigarettes. They just shifted <laughs> to another addiction, which, by the way, a much more deadly addiction. So right. America's number one killer drug is cigarettes. I know mm. I can't talk to the French about smoking <laughs> and alcohol, but uh, <laughs> yeah. and cheese. But uh, yeah. you know, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people, and I think we are almost running out of time, but one of the things that uh, people always find so hard is starting meditating because that concept of it has to be right and it's complicated and it's hours. And you have a beautiful, uh, I think, uh, also chapter in your book about, or something I read about uh, that this awakening uh, can happen after just like five minutes of meditation. Some people are agonizing for an hour and then the last five minutes are basically the bliss and someone apparently told you, I'll skip just ahead to the five minutes yeah. and don't do exactly. that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. And people will tell you, oh, yeah, I have to meditate for two hours a day, but it's worth. And, and what's happening because they're trying, they're concentrating, they're beating their heads against the wall, so to speak. And then what finally happens is the mind gets so exhausted that it lets go. And then those last 10 minutes are, are blissful letting go. And the great good fortune of my life, because most people are never going to do that. They're not going to take, right. go through the two hours of agony. So, and I was way too lazy to do that. So I was fortunate <laughs> to early in my life meet teachers who showed me how to go directly to the last 10 minutes, just go straight to the letting go part. And again, the easiest way, if people uh, go to my website to the uh, fearlessbook.net and the meditate now page, I've got the guided meditation audios there. And also in the book, I've got a whole section on that, that kind of effortless meditation and how to integrate that into your life. I can't believe that's already over an hour. Talking to you is natural and effortless, and we should do it again. <laughs> yes, uh, let's any time. This is big Thank fun. you so much. It was really fun. And is there one tidbit, one uh, insight that you want to share with the listeners to yes. take home? Yes. You can let go any in any moment. You can let go in this moment. There's You're never more than one thought away from just that place of complete okayness. You, you, you know, people think, oh, my mind is full of this whole jumble of thoughts. But if you look closely, you'll notice you can only actually have one thought at a time. Mm -hmm. They may move very quickly. And just drop the next thought. What happens if we drop it just like a, the next thought, the next worry, whatever it is, just drop it like it's a hot potato and go, ah, oh, For five seconds, for one second, maybe after two seconds, you pick it up again. Okay. But then for one second, you've, you've poked out, you've found that place of silence. That means you can find it again. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. That's wonderful. Thank you. Certainly that's the power of letting go. And we often feel like we have to hold on in order to feel powerful. So 
Thank you for sharing that. And uh, thank you to all the listeners for tuning in and also all the Facebook watchers for watching Facebook Live. And until next time, uh, we will talk more about of those challenges and the things that we can resolve them. Goodbye. You've been listening to Empowerment Radio with Dr. Friedemann Schaub. Join Dr. Friedemann the first and third Wednesday each month at 11 a.m. Pacific as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges of our daily lives. Discover how you can use the power of your mind to overcome stress, anxiety, and overwhelm and create a solid foundation of confidence and self-esteem. Learn cutting-edge tools so that you can approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. To learn more about what Dr. Schaub can do for you, visit the fearandanxietysolution.com.